0: FBI whistleblowers accuse Biden of pressuring them to fabricate extremist and white supremacist cases. FBI is dropping child sexual abuse investigations to pursue January 6th witch hunt. And Democrat admits murdering 18-year-old in North Dakota because he was a Republican. Details on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to The Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 243 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to mention. And August 8th, 2022 the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you would like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. All right, the great Kash Patel, who was formerly chief of staff for Secretary of Defense under Donald Trump, also was a member of the National Security Council, also worked for Republican United States Representative Devin Nunes, and helped discover the whole crossfire hurricane scam, the hoax, the conspiracy against Donald Trump. He had to reschedule. He's going to be, he's now scheduled to be on with us this Friday at 11 a.m. Central. Cash Patel. Don't miss it. Also, I want to say a big thank you. Big shout out to nationally syndicated radio talk show host John B. Wells out of the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex, but he is nationally syndicated. He's on, I think his wife told me, 180 stations across the nation. And I was on with them earlier this year when I was running for the Republican nomination for governor of Arkansas. And they called up out of the blue a few days ago and said, hey, could you uh, possibly come on with us Tuesday evening from 930 to 11 p.m. Central? And I was humbled and honored. And, you know, you you think, well, gee, you know, I'm not running for office anymore. Uh, Gee, I hope I've got enough stuff to talk about. And I'll try to explain this as best I can. John B. Wells does such a great job of asking questions that the time just flies, and we were able to talk about a lot of very important things. I have linked to the interview. He put it up on his Rumble account. I've linked to the interview on my social media, on uh, my Twitter, and on my Facebook. And we'll try to get it up on the other social media as soon as we can. But uh, what a pleasant experience. And um, John B. is a consummate professional radio talk show host. He is a believer, so we got into some spiritual issues and how politics and Christianity intersect, and it was just a... a very refreshing conversation being live on the air with somebody who's been around as long as I have. And, uh, somebody that, that, that I'm on the same page with. So, uh, if you get a chance, uh, go to John B. Wells on rumble. And if you're not quite sure how to do that, just go to my Facebook page or my Twitter and the, uh, the interview is on there when i when i went on facebook said hey i'm going to be on with john b wells this evening a lady said is there somewhere we can listen to the interview after the fact and so i did find uh, it on his rumble page so that worked out very well and i just i really appreciate that opportunity all right now i would like to start show, before we get to all this heavy stuff about the FBI and about the, the, the murder of the young man, I'd like to start the show with some good news. Don't get the chance to do that very often. This is from uh, thepostmillennial.com. Man Who Shot First During Kenosha Riot Charged of Seven Felonies. Subtitle of the article, Zeminsky Had Been Free on uh, $13,000 Bail Set by Judge Bruce Schroeder Who Also Provided Over Rittenhouse's Trial. Zeminsky, was set to face court on January 31st, but was arrested at that time for intimidating a witness. This delayed the trial further. So that's the subtitle of the article. So let's take a look at this. Um, I just, you know, I love sharing good news with you. So here we go. During the Kenosha riot, August 20th, 2020, Joshua Zeminski fired what he called a warning shot before Kyle Rittenhouse shot three men in self-defense. Two of those men died, and Rittenhouse was exonerated on all charges. Zeminski, whose trial in that matter was delayed for months, has now been charged with seven felonies. A recent article from Newsweek magazine alleged that Kyle Rittenhouse is not a hero and that he was playing cop when shots were fired during the fiery riots that destroyed property, businesses, and shut down the city of Kenosha, Wisconsin. Now it turns out that one of the men who fired that night has gone on to continue his criminal involvement. Zeminski had been free on $13,000 bail set by Judge Bruce Schroeder who also presided over Kyle Rittenhouse's trial. Zeminski was set to face court January 31st, but was arrested at that time for intimidating witness. This delayed his trial further. On Monday night, reports, the local Kenosha County I, Zeminski and his wife went on a crime spree that caught them seven felony charges each. Oh, my goodness. Lawmakers and pundits, roundly labeled Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist and slandered him, though he went on to be cleared of charges. The new charges, shred by the pair, are felony armed robbery, felony armed burglary, felony false imprisonment, felony intimidation of witness, felony ID theft, and misdemeanor battery. Independently, Zeminski caught a charge of felony bail-jumping while his wife was charged with probation hold couple is set to appear in court. Um, oh, okay, that would have been last week. This is an article from a few days ago. Zeminski was out on bond, pending trial for the charges of arson, felony, disorderly conduct, use of a dangerous weapon, misdemeanor, and obstructing an officer for his role in the rioting and lighting a trailer on fire. That's according to the local Kenosha County Eye. During those riots, Zeminski could be seen firing off his gun just a few minutes before Rittenhouse shot and killed Joseph Rosenbaum, which was ruled to have been in self-defense as Rittenhouse feared for his life. Zeminski wasn't charged for his role in that riot for over five months and was unlikely that local DA, Michael Gravely, would have tried him, according to the Kenosha County Eye, were it not for community Backlash. So, a little bit of good news here. One of the rioters responsible for the the chaos, the mayhem, the night that Kyle Rittenhouse almost got killed. Looks like he might be going away for a while. That's a good thing. All right, Kerry Pickett and Joseph Clark over the Washington Times had the article entitled Biden accused of pressuring FBI to fabricate extremist and white supremacist cases. Rank and file FBI agents are accusing the Biden administration of exaggerating the threat of white supremacists and pressuring agents to cook up domestic terrorist cases involving racist extremists. Current and former FBI agents told the Washington Times that the perceived white supremacist threat is overblown by the administration. They said top bureau officials are pressuring FBI agents to create domestic terrorist cases and tag people as white supremacists to meet internal metrics. One agent who spoke on the condition of anonymity said The demand for white supremacy coming from FBI headquarters vastly outstrips the supply of white supremacy. We have more people assigned to investigate white supremacists than we can actually find. The agent's revelations coincide with President Biden's United We Stand summit recently at the White House, a summit built upon the administration's push to root out racially motivated domestic violent extremists, which included the creation of a specialized Justice Department unit to combat domestic terrorism. The FBI agent who did not want to be identified talking about bureau politics said those driving bureau policies have already determined the white supremacy is a problem and set an agency wide policy to elevate racially motivated domestic extremism cases as priorities. Oh, i I got more. By the way, the Gadsden flag is a historical American flag with a yellow field showing a timber, a timber rattlesnake and the words, don't tread on me. It's often used as a symbol of liberty. The FBI denies targeting groups of people based on their espoused political views and says the Bureau focuses only on those who commit or intend to commit violence and criminal activity that constitutes a federal crime or poses a threat to national security. An FBI spokesman says, the FBI aggressively investigates threats posed by domestic violent extremists. We do not investigate ideology and we do not investigate particular cases based on the political views of the individuals involved. The FBI will continue to pursue threats, or acts of violence, regardless of the underlying motivation or socio-political goal. But the Gadsden flag, though, the Gadsden flag, the FBI agent whistleblower said, we're sort of the lab dogs as the actual agents doing these sorts of investigations trying to find a crime to fit otherwise First Amendment protected activity. If they have a Gadsden flag and they own guns and they're mean at school board meetings, well, we're told that probably means they're a domestic terrorist. But the FBI spokesperson is like, oh, no, 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 nothing like that. We're not doing anything like that. So they get paid to lie. Others say the concern about the rise of extremism and white supremacist ideology is far from unfounded. Nationwide hate crime data points to a concerning rise in racially motivated attacks. In recent years, according to Brian Levin, who founded the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism at California State University, San Bernardino, and has been appointed to California's recently formed commission on the state of hate. San Bernardino? Wasn't there a Muslim jihadist uh, mass murder in San Bernardino a few years ago? I wonder if Mr. Levin was interested in that. Yeah, see, they're going to quote this uh, this guy that I have no reason whatsoever to believe. What's the Washington Times doing these days? Fair and balanced? We're supposed to give the libs benefit of the doubt? No, I don't think so. I'm done. I'm done with that article. No, I'm, I'm absolutely done with that article. John Nolte over Breitbart has a story of the man who admits to killing a teenager he claimed was a Republican extremist. Now, do you think CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, think any of them are going to cover this? No, of course not. Do you think it was the other way around? A Trump supporter murdered a black 18 year old. Do you think that might make the news? For the rest of your life, yeah. According to a local North Dakota report from something called valleynewslive.com, big newspaper website up there, early Sunday morning, a man called 911 and admitted to the hit and run of an 18 year old. His motive? He told 911 it was a political argument with a Republican. 41-year-old Shannon Brandt said he was afraid that 18-year-old Kaylor Ellings- Ellingson was part of a Republican extremist group and he was afraid they were coming to get him. So he allegedly killed 18-year-old Kaylor Ellingson with his car. from ValleyNewsLive.com in North Dakota. After visiting the scene where the incident happened, deputies went to Brandt's house in Glenfield, North Dakota, which is about 12 minutes from the crash scene. Brandt admitted to consuming alcohol before the incident and stated he hit Ellingson with his car because he had a political argument with him. Brandt also admitted to deputies that he initially left the crash scene, then returned to call 911 but left again before deputies could arrive. Court documents say just before the crash, 18-year-old Kayla Ellingson called his mother and asked if she knew who Shannon Brandt was. She said yes and told her son she was on her way to pick him up. A short time later, court documents say Kayla Ellingson called his mom again to say that Shannon Brandt was chasing him. It was after the second call that Ellingson could not be reached again. Brandt has been charged with vehicular homicide and drunk driving, assuming everything in the report is accurate and Brandt is convicted of chasing and running down 18-year-old Kaler Ellingson. This is almost certainly the result his fraudulency, Joe Biden and the corporate media have sought with their relentless demonization of Republicans. They say we're a danger to, to, to democracy. They say we're evil extremists. Just this week, a Harvard Caps Harris poll found that the dehumanization campaign launched by dementia Joe Biden and the corporate media has resulted in 73% of Democrats living with the insane belief that there are tens of millions of dangerous MAGA Republicans backing violence and trying to overthrow the Constitution. Anyone who watched the Black Lives Matter Antifa riots over the last few years or is aware of the dozens of vandalized and firebombed pregnancy centers knows that most of the political violence in America and the world comes from the left. There are countless unstable Democrats in this country, and so when you have the United States president and billions of corporate media dollars focused on portraying everyday Americans as terrorists. Unstable Democrats will naturally, will naturally become even more unstable in the certainty of violent righteousness. There's no way to shame Joe Biden, CNN, MSNBC, or the rest into acting like decent human beings. In their quest for absolute power over us, they see whatever furthers their goal as moral. So all we can do is get a concealed carry permit, learn how to use and carry a firearm safely, and be sure to carry it in the unlikely event you have to defend yourself. Also, remember this. Rank and file Democrats are not our enemies. They are our friends, family, coworkers, and neighbors in some cases. So get off Twitter, turn off cable news, don't become what you hate. Rabid, angry dogs like Joe Biden and Jake Tapper. Nevertheless, a target is being placed on our backs. We are being scapegoated for the serial political failures of the left. And it would be foolish not to acknowledge that reality and prepare for the worst. That's John Nolte. Over Breitbart, article entitled Man Admits to Killing Teen He Claimed Was Republican Extremist. Now I hate to sound like a broken record, but have you heard this anywhere else? I don't know. See, I, I don't I don't get the opportunity to listen to talk radio anymore. I listened to an hour and a half of John B. Wells' show Tuesday evening because I was on it. But um, I don't get the chance to listen to talk radio or watch much news on television or anything. So I don't know if anybody else is talking about this, but um, I guarantee you one thing. Joe Biden doesn't care, and Joe Biden is not going to condemn the murder. Because, again, Joe Biden wants his followers to think that you and I are the problem, and we need to be done away with. Okay, I think that's, uh, I think that should be pretty obvious by now, don't you? He got what he wanted. And more importantly, his handlers the people who pull his strings definitely got what they wanted. And there will be more. There will be more. See, I'm old enough to remember James T. Hodgkinson, the uh, the Bernie supporter, who went to a baseball field to shoot Republican members of Congress because he believed that they were trying to kill people by denying them health care. Almost killed Steve Scalise. It was touch and go there with Steve Scalise. The only only reason there was armed security at that baseball field was because Steve Scalise, a member of House Republican leadership, had a couple of armed policemen with him. If they had not been there... This guy could have mowed down everybody because I doubt anybody was carrying because you're not allowed to carry uh, in the Capitol and they just come over from the Capitol, right? So people um, people tend to operate based on what they believe, all right? Now coming up, we've got to talk about the FBI dropping child sexual abuse investigations to pursue instead the January 6th witch hunt. That's coming up also, also, the great Miranda Devine of the uh, New York Post, the one who uh, wrote the book about Hunter Biden's laptop. Yeah, she was on with Maria Bartiromo. Sunday morning, so we gotta we gotta hear some of that too. But in the meantime, I just wanna say how much we appreciate our advertisers, our friends, for making it possible for us to do what we do here, the Doc Washman Show, five times a week. Thank you so much. If you try to buy a car recently, You realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live. RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else, Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401k or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement, call my friend Jonathan Presswood today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there. And there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501-501. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Thanks again, Jonathan Presswood, Edward Jones, Financial Advisors. Appreciate you for sponsoring us. Also, Mitch Ward, Red River Your Way. We appreciate you for sponsoring us also. Our advertisers are friends. They are our lifeblood, and they make it possible for me to do this instead of having to figure out how to go do something else. And I can't thank them enough. Uh, Miranda Devine was on with Maria Bartiromo Sunday morning. Sunday morning futures on Fox. Maria said, I know you are continuing your work on the FBI via the whistleblowers. What can you tell us about when the FBI became so politicized and what do you see as a story around this raid of President Trump's home. And this was Miranda Devine's response.
1: I think that like a lot of people on the left um, and the sort of squishy right, it was the election of Donald Trump in 2016 that sent them over the edge. And the FBI is now shameless about its partisanship. Uh, That includes the raid on Mar-a-Lago, unprecedented. It includes the fact that uh, they've been soft peddling on Hunter Biden, despite the fact that there is so much evidence, not just from the laptop, but from his former business partner of wrongdoing, not just of Hunter Biden, but implicating his father, the sitting president, and his uncle, Joe Biden's younger brother, Jim. Uh, So it's so obviously um, a a partisan situation in the FBI and the DOJ where uh, federal law enforcement has been weaponized against one side of politics. And that's not just looking from the outside, that's whistleblowers who are coming forward uh, at the moment in a trickle, but it looks like, from what they're telling me, Uh, This is a flood. There is widespread disquiet in the FBI and the DOJ. And it was uh, really brought to a head with that Mar-a-Lago raid.
2: Aha.
0: I hope there will be a lot more whistleblowers. So Maria Bartiromo comes back and says, but it's not stopping at all. They're, They're pushing forward. They want to stop Trump from potentially running and to silence him. If Republicans win the majority in November, they are planning to launch investigations into Hunter Biden's business dealings. While in the Senate, Grassley is calling for former FBI FBI (laughs) assistant, easy for you to say, FBI assistant special agent Timothy T-Ball to testify in his maneuvers. Miranda Devine, tell me what you're hearing from the whistleblowers. Do you think that there will be accountability here should the Republicans take the
1: House? I think so. If the Republicans are strategic and very well organized, there certainly is the will among these very courageous whistleblowers from inside the DOJ and FBI. Um, They're blowing up their own careers and risking a lot uh, by coming forward, but they no longer can live with their consciences. So they are there willing and able to tell what they know. And when you put the pieces together of what the whistleblowers so far have told us and will continue to tell us. Um, it's really damning. It's about, um, from my point of view, what I know very well, the Hunter Biden cover-up uh, from the laptop they had in December 2019 to the five-and-a-half hour interview that they had with Tony Bobulinski 11 days before the election. Yeah, and We haven't seen any of that come to the fore.
0: No, we have not seen any of that come to the fore. We certainly haven't. And why might that be? Because the FBI is Hopelessly compromised, hopelessly politicized. So I hope, I hope that there will be more whistleblowers because I certainly don't count on Republican leadership in Congress to do anything about anything. Did you hear what Kevin McCarthy? House Minority Leader, who wants to be Speaker of the House. Did you hear what he said the other day? But I don't think anybody is questioning the legitimacy of the presidential
3: election. I think that is all over with. We're sitting here with the president today.
0: You believe the nerve of this jerk? But again, you know, he rents a penthouse apartment from his buddy, uh, Frank Luntz, the liberal pollster. I got a prediction. I got a prediction. Republicans take back the house. It could slow down the Democrats from trying to take away all of our freedom because they might not have the votes to do some things they want to do. But they'll squander it just like they squandered it the first two years of uh, Trump's administration when Republicans had both House of Congress and the White House. See, that's when they had Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House. Paul Ryan was just as pro-amnesty as any Democrat. So, you know, he was going to stab Trump in the back. But um, I don't know how you could be any more tone-deaf than what Kevin McCarthy's comments betray there. And he's not alone. A few months ago, I spoke to... I can't say his name, but a nationally syndicated radio talk show host who uh, was shocked that I thought people still cared about whether the 2020 presidential election had been stolen. I'm thinking, now, wait a minute, you're, you're not a politician. You, you talk to these people. You do a talk show every day. How could you not think people are still concerned about that. I don't know, man. Some people are in a bubble. And Kevin McCarthy is so in a bubble that he can say something like this.
3: But I don't think anybody is questioning the legitimacy of the presidential election. I think that is all over with. We're sitting here with the president today.
0: All over with? Doesn't he sound smug? He sounds smug to me. Does he sound smug to you? Now, if you're going to take on the smug attitude, you better know what you're talking about. You better know what you're talking about. And clearly, he has no idea what he's talking about. Frank Luntz is in his ear. And Frank Luntz is a lib. And Kevin McCarthy wants you to think he's a conservative. But to me, this is disqualifying. If Republicans take back the House, this should be disqualifying.
3: But I don't think anybody is questioning the legitimacy of the presidential election. I think that is all over with. We're sitting here with the president today.
0: That's outrageous to me. Absolutely outrageous. All right, let me get to the... um, Let me get to this other uh, FBI story I've got for you. Speaking of outrageous. Evita Duffy over at the Federalist.com whistleblower. FBI is dropping child sexual abuse investigations to pursue January 6th witch hunt. That's the title the FBI is reportedly moving its agents off of child sexual abuse cases to instead pursue January 6th investigations. An agency whistleblower recounted being told that child sexual abuse material investigations were no longer an FBI priority and should be referred to local law enforcement agencies. U.S. Representative Jim Jordan, Republican Ohio, the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, sent a letter Monday to FBI Director Christopher Wray demanding to know why the Bureau is allegedly shifting focus away from child sex abuse cases. The letter says such a posture is not only a dereliction of the FBI's mission to investigate violations of federal laws, but it is a grave disservice to the victims of child sexual abuse and other crimes that do not advance the FBI leadership's political agenda. The letter comes just weeks after Jim Jordan sent a different letter citing whistleblowers who reported that FBI officials are pressuring agents to reclassify cases as domestic violent extremism, even if the cases do not meet the criteria of such classification. It's like the uh, Washington Times article I had for you earlier on the program. The Monday letter also recounts how the FBI is allegedly breaking its own protocol and miscategorizing case files to create the illusion that a violent extremism crisis is rapidly emerging across the United States, as Biden suggested during his dictatorial address earlier this month in which he demonized half the country. Jim Jordan's letter explains that Cases are ordinarily characterized and labeled by the originating field office, with leads cut to other field offices for specific assistance in that geographic location. January 6 cases, however, are being treated differently. For January 6 investigations, task force members in Washington, D.C., identify potential subjects and possible locations where these individuals reside. Then the task force disseminates information packets with instructions to open full investigations to local field offices around the country. While the local field offices appear on paper to be running the cases, the Washington field office is directing the field office special agents to just open the case in their geographic area, with the Washington office then performing and approving all the investigative work and paperwork for the case file. The whistleblower described how there are active criminal investigations of January 6 subjects in which I am listed as a case agent but have not done any investigative work and the whistleblower supervisor has reportedly not approved any paperwork within those investigative files. Whistleblower said the manipulative case file practice creates false and misleading crime statistics instead of hundreds of investigations stemming from a single black swan incident at the Capitol FBI and DOJ officials point to significant increases in domestic violence, extremism, and terrorism around the United States. Jim Jordan's letter says, This scheme allows you to continue to support, on paper, your assertion that the FBI is a field-based law enforcement organization and the vast majority of our investigations should continue to be worked by our field offices while actually running the investigation from Washington. The letter states, These allegations are consistent with disclosures we have received from other whistleblowers that high-ranking FBI officials, including a senior Washington field office official, are pressing frontline agents to categorize cases as domestic violent extremism matters to fit a political narrative. If these allegations are true, the FBI has officially abandoned all standards and illusion of integrity by falsifying domestic extremism threats to demonize and persecute its political enemies, especially when paired by, with the FBI's record of corruption. And, oh boy, do they have a link there. I'll tell you what the link is to in a minute. Especially when paired with the FBI's record of corruption, the agency's transformation from law enforcement into the strong arm of the Democrat Party comes at the expense of the Bureau's credibility and in this case, our nation's children. That is Evita Duffy, over the Federalist. She's also co-founder of the Chicago Thinker. Article entitled, Whistleblower, FBI is Dropping Child Sexual Abuse Investigations to Pursue January 6th Witch Hunt. Now, when they talk about the FBI's record of corruption, They linked to an article that would take 25 minutes to read by Tristan Justice at The Federalist entitled, Think the FBI Deserves the Benefit of the Doubt? This laundry list of corruption should make you think again. And that is an article that I took the 25 minutes to read when it first came out back in August, just so you know. Oh, boy. So, what I want to do now, I've got a bunch of sound bites left over from the last episode, which was Sound Bite Tuesday. I want to kind of share some of those with you, and then I want to get to the um, an update on the latest back and forth between President Trump's legal team and the feds about this whole special master situation and what is going on with that. First of all, though, from last week, Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri grilling the former vice president of Twitter about access to people's personal data. And Josh Hawley is a lawyer, and you can tell this guy's been around a courtroom before.
4: Let me ask you, Mr. Redder, is that how I pronounce your name, by the way? Redder, that's correct. Redder, okay. Let me ask you this. You were an engineer at at Twitter, is that right? Correct, Yep. You were the senior vice president for engineering? Yes. So, yesterday, Mr. Zatko testified to another committee I sit on that 4,000 engineers at Twitter had access to all of the personal information, user data geolocations of Twitter users. Is that accurate? So he, I've never met him, and he joined the company after I left, so I don't know if that particular claim is accurate. But he said all the engineers, you were an engineer, did you have access um, to user data? When I was there, There, uh, I don't know if it was all the engineers. Um, did you have access to user data? Well, I was the head of engineering for the whole company. Did you have access to user data? I'm looking for a yes or a no. Uh,
0: this guy really doesn't want to answer the question. Uh, I'll just remind you you're under oath. I, no. Just remind you're under oath. OK, So he says no. Check out the follow-up. You didn't but have access I, I to user I data? I think I could have gotten
4: it. I'm sorry? I think I could have gotten it. Oh, okay. Well, if you can get it, that, that's what we call access. So you did have access to user data. Is that Post a yes? Theory, I probably could have, yeah. Um, uh, that's probably right. Yeah, I probably could Okay, you did. Did, did you ever access any, any user data? No. Were you aware of Twitter engineers ever doxing uh, members of uh, users? Uh, no. Were you aware of Twitter engineers ever inserting, ever taking over an account and, and tweeting out or altering the content of that account? Mr. Zaxo said he thought that had happened. I, I'm not aware of that. Okay. Um, lots to unpack there. Thank you, Mr. Chairman.
0: Serious stuff going on, y'all. Serious stuff going on. Um, Colleen Noir, the guy with Black Guns Matter, explains why violent crime is about to spike in Illinois.
5: If this doesn't convince you to get a gun for protection, I don't know what will.
2: Starting in January, a new law will go into effect in Illinois called the Safety Act. Part of it eliminates cash bail for most offenses. Today, the Winnebago County State's attorney says around 400 inmates at the county jail will be released. Under the new law, people arrested for many criminal cases, including battery, robbery, and vehicular homicide, cannot be detained no matter the severity of the crime. Unless in someone for murder and armed robbery, if there is a real and present threat to the safety of the community. People.
5: You are on your own, especially if you live in a state where the leadership is more concerned about appealing to this incessant obsession about wokeness. I'll be the first to say that cash bail systems in this country definitely need to be reworked. And I can understand doing this for nonviolent offenses, But under this law, crimes such as aggravated batteries, robberies, burglaries, hate crimes, aggravated DUIs, vehicular homicide, drug-induced homicides, all drug offenses, including delivery of fentanyl and trafficking cases, are not eligible for detention no matter the severity of the crime or the defendant's risk to a specific person or the community unless people prove by clear and convincing evidence the person has a high likelihood of willful flight.
0: Got it? You know, they, they do these things on purpose. You realize that? They want more violence. 19 years ago, Then United States Senator from Pennsylvania Rick Santorum spoke out for traditional marriage. And the question that we should all ask is what happened to this kind of Republican? As we, um, as we think about how far we have fallen. Rick Santorum, 19 years ago.
2: And as Jeff Sessions said, there isn't a social indicator active, there. there isn't an economic indicator active, there. there isn't an educational indicator out there that doesn't show that men and women and children are all better off. In a stable two-parent family of a man and a woman, and so we're here today to affirm that. You say, "Well, why are we doing? Why are you, you know, talking about a constitutional amendment?" Well, the reason we're talking about a constitutional amendment is because, but for a constitutional amendment, there is a great fear out there, and it's a legitimate fear. That the Constitution will be, will be amended without us. It happens all the time. It's called court decisions who make up their own new Constitution on a regular basis. We just saw it a few weeks ago. It just came from the floor of the Senate debating partial birth abortion. Partial birth abortion. Unconstitutional. Name a founder. Name anybody who wrote that Constitution who would have thought that partial birth abortion would have been unconstitutional to ban it. But across the street, they make laws every day. They're not supposed to, but that's what they do. And they amend the Constitution on a regular basis. And so many of us believe that maybe we should actually use the vehicle by which the Constitution established to change the Constitution, instead of waiting for someone else to do it for us. And so I congratulate those who have the courage to stand up and do something that isn't a popular thing to do. The popular culture, and I know from personal experience, is not nurturing on this issue. It's not supportive of the men and women standing behind me here. But you have the courage of your conviction because you know what you're doing is right for the health of your community and for your country. For that, I thank you, and you have my deepest gratitude. Thank you. What happened to guys like that?
0: Well, you want my opinion? Pollsters. People like Frank Luntz have told conservative politicians that um, sanctity of marriage is no longer an issue that uh, their voters care about. That's what happened. That's what happened. I mean, they probably told them all these years that the lives of innocent unborn babies is not something that people actually care about either, but I think you saw the celebrations when Roe was overturned. Anyway, I just felt like I should share that with you. There is a guy running for United States Senate in Wisconsin by the name of Mandela Barnes. He is he's somehow another guy. elected lieutenant governor up there. And Mandela Barnes is the kind of guy who endorses riots. He endorses violence. And I hope that the incumbent, the Republican, Ron Johnson, is running commercials featuring Mandela Barnes saying this kind of stuff because Ron Johnson is a good guy and he needs to stay in the U.S. Senate
5: so what do you think about one just the art of protesting um, and then two some of the negative stuff that came with it
6: Mm -hmm. so as always you know I think that in in times like these in times of crisis that protest is necessary Um, but you see when things get to the level that they've gotten so you gotta think about what brought it to that point you know how bad did things have to be before it Got, before it led to the destruction, right? And I say this time and time again, I hate to see you know, a city on fire. I hate to see the level of, of chaos, but I also hate what got us to this point.
0: He's rationalizing the violence. You know, you
6: can look at this time. There was a particular instance in Minneapolis, in Minnesota. Uh, where Officer Chauvin put his knee on this man's neck for almost nine minutes, and he died.
0: But the police officer didn't kill him, as medical examiners report that they suppressed for months said. Right, we can point
5: to all the chaos, everything, all the destruction you see in cities across America.
0: Anyway, you get the idea. You get the idea. This guy supports the violence. He's got an excuse for all of it. From the ridiculous to the sublime, Governor Ron DeSantis, the best governor in the in the whole country says the elites were wrong about COVID. We rejected the elites,
3: um, and we were right. They're now trying to rewrite history, acting like they wanted kids in school all along, and we shouldn't let them get away with that. But we should also point out, not only were they wrong about schools, the elites were wrong about lockdowns. They were wrong about epidemiological models and the hospitalization models. They were wrong about forced masking. They were wrong when they rejected the existence of Natural immunity. They were wrong about the efficacy of the mRNA vaccines, and they were wrong when I said this, that uh, COVID was seasonal. Now they admit it, uh, but they didn't when it was obvious that that was the case. So on almost every major significant issue, uh, these elites who would show up on cable news or be wherever, uh, you know, they were wrong, and they got it wrong time and time again. And so we also served in Florida as a roadblock to what I think would have taken hold in this country if it weren't for our leadership, and that's a biomedical security state. If you look at what they were trying to do with forcing of vax and passports and all these different things, uh, this country would look a lot different right now if people like me hadn't stood up and said, not on my watch. You're not doing that here.
0: Indeed. Indeed. This is the guy. Every state should wish they had a governor like Ron DeSantis. i do a little funny one here for you. Um, Kamala Harris is just really not bright. And so the Australian media has a field day with her from time to time because American media, you know, isn't allowed to. You know, American media is afraid of being called racist. So they're not allowed to poke fun at Kamala Harris. Well, uh, Greg Gutfeld, you know, on his... Late night show on Fox. He will, but that's about it. So the Aussies down under had some fun with Kamala. It went something like this.
2: Over these last 18 months, Democrats have delivered
7: big time. (laughs) (laughs) Don't laugh. That was the highlight. That was the high point of the speech. And boy, haven't the Democrats delivered big time. Biggest gas prices, big, big inflation, more than 2 million illegal immigrants crossing the southern border. That's big.
8: And don't forget
7: the dramatic increase in violent crime in Democrat-run cities. (laughs) Yes, indeed.
0: That's what's up. Not even going to live, fam. How about that? Look, I just want to say thank you once again to our advertisers. Coming up, coming up, there is a lot to catch up on. What's going on with the uh, legal wrangling between President Trump and the feds and the Mar-a-Lago raid, the special master and everything. We'll get to that. We'll got we have some more uh, sound bites coming up, but first of all, thank you so much to our advertisers for allowing us to do what we do here five times a week. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. Do you have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever? Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best-kept secret in American healthcare. care. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas which only weighs two ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system, and yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turn my and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. All right, thank you again to Dr. J.R. Crabtree and his wife, Dr. Tanya Crabtree, our advertisers at TurnMyPowerOn.com. They're also our friends and our doctors. They've helped me and my wife and so many people that we know so much, so much. All right, um, again, Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri roasting Facebook over government anti first amendment collusion this is a big deal y'all mr cox
4: i know that facebook has said in the past that it's their position as a private company you're not subject to the first amendment I, i assume that hasn't changed is that right That's correct, Senator. But uh, the United States government is subject to the First Amendment. I think we can probably all agree on. Hopefully we can. Hopefully that's still true in this country. Um, Is it appropriate for Facebook to work with the United States government to avoid
6: the First Amendment, help the U.S. government avoid the First Amendment? Uh, Senator... We do think it is uh, sometimes appropriate to be in contact with government and with government organizations to help them avoid the First Amendment. Senator, I'm not sure what what specifically you're referring
4: to. Mm. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think it's appropriate to work with the United States government to target private individual speech that is constitutionally protected? Senator, I'm not aware of, of that. Mm. Well, let me um, let me educate you. On July 16th, 2021, Facebook an employee at Facebook wrote to the Department of Health and Human Services saying, and I quote, I know our teams met today to better understand the scope of what the White House expects from us on this information going forward. On July 23rd, 2021, a Facebook employee thanked HHS quote, for taking the time to meet earlier today and wanted to make sure you saw the steps we just took this past week to adjust policies and what we are removing with respect Back to misinformation. This included, and I'm still quoting, increasing the strength of our demotions for COVID and vaccine-related content. On April 7th, 2021, a Facebook employee thanked the CDC for responding to misinformation queries, and I quote, we'll get moving now to be able to remove all but that one claim as soon as the announcement and authorization happens. On July 28th, This year, a Facebook employee reached out to CDC about, quote, doing a monthly misinfo debunking meeting. The CD responded, yes, we would love to do that. Sure they would. On July 20th, 2021, Clerk Humphrey at the White House, who's digital director of the COVID-19 response team, emailed Dave Sumner at your company, among others, asking any way we can get this pulled down and cited a specific Instagram account. Within 46 seconds, your company responded and said, yep, on it. That sounds like what in the law we call a pattern in practice of meeting, coordinating, and colluding with the United States government to target particular speech that no one in any of these emails alleges is incitement, which would not be constitutionally protected. No one in any of these emails alleges it directly encourages violence, which would not be constitutionally protected. So it appears to all be constitutionally protected speech on, I might add, very politically sensitive topics that Facebook is directly working with the U.S. government to target and remove.
6: Is that your company policy to do this kind of thing? Senator, we were we were quite public about our uh, cooperation with uh, health organizations during the unprecedented time of covid. Yeah, I don't think you're
0: answering the question, pal. Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, would that they were more like him. He's just owning this guy from Facebook.
6: knew that people expected and wanted accurate information on our platform. We had conversations with the CDC, with the World Health Organization and with other public health organizations, not just in the US, but abroad in order to understand how to help sure, make sure that folks weren't getting information that could cause imminent harm. Fair enough, so you're, you're saying that this this was in fact company
4: policy to have these kinds of meetings with HHS, with the CDC, with the White House directly that you did engage in in this behavior and you think that it was entirely fine? Is that your testimony?
6: Senator, I do believe it's appropriate for companies like ours to be in consultation with public health organizations and with government. And and you, you can confirm that things like taking down a
4: private Instagram account and uh, adjusting your policies at the behest of of the White House uh, and putting into place misinformation policies at the behest of CDC that, that those things you think are appropriate this was company
6: policy to do so is that fair to say Senator, I'm not familiar with the Instagram account specifically that you're referencing, but we do know that people expected and hoped from the platforms that we would help them get accurate information about COVID during the unprecedented time, especially at the beginning. Well, isn't there a difference between you as a platform
4: putting forward information and censoring your users at the behest of the White House, the administration more broadly, and the CDC? Isn't there a
6: distinction there? We specifically uh, wanted to work with public health experts to understand the relationship between information and behavior, and so we did consult with the CDC, the World Health Organization, and others uh, to understand how the the platform policies we built were affecting public health. Well, you didn't just you didn't just consult with them to
4: understand how they affected public health. You actually censored on their behalf. I mean, you t- you took these emails. I'm just quoting from a sample of them which, by the way, have been disclosed in litigation. These these emails show that you took censorship steps. You took down accounts. You planned misinformation
0: policies. See, this is all bad stuff, in other words. Go get him, Josh Hawley. You adjusted your policies at the behest
4: of the United States government. I mean, that, that's not just some theoretical thing that's actually targeting your user's speech but you're you're i appreciate your forthrightness by the way so
6: but you're saying that that was you think that's fine and that was your policy senator we we've been public about our policies on covid misinformation specifically as well as on misinformation generally so you think there's nothing you're not concerned about any of this nothing that i just read to you you're not concerned about it at all Respectfully, Senator, I think the balance of how to protect free expression as well as public safety is a difficult issue. But it's one we're committed to working with outside experts and publishing our work. Well, um, I appreciate you being so forthright. As I said, this is
4: actually from litigation between the state of Missouri and the state of Louisiana and the federal government. I, I anticipate that your remarks under oath today are going to be very interesting and helpful to that litigation. I'll just say this. My view is is that the United States government is bound by the First Amendment. They cannot encourage or coerce or incite or collude with a private party to get around the First Amendment. But you just said to me today that that's basically what they did, that you coordinated with them repeatedly over a pattern of months and years to adjust and target your speech policies for protected speech at the behest of the United States government. I have to tell you, I've got a big problem with that, and I think all your users should, too. Thank you, Mr. Chairman.
0: Well, I certainly do. I certainly do. But see, where else are you going to hear this kind of stuff? I, I don't know. I just think that it's my duty to share this stuff with you, which why is why I'm oftentimes up all night doing show prep to try to get everything together to give you the most bang for your buck, as it were. Did you know that uh, Dementia Joe, who loves to take the Lord's name in vain, Dementia Joe has
7: renamed this country. It's frustrating, it's inconvenient, and it's bad for the environment, and there's simply no reason for it. This is the United States' camera for God's sake. This is who we are. This is, not, this is not what we should be doing. Okay, what was that again? What did you say? What, what is the name of this, this country as you take the Lord's name in vain? This is the United States Khmer, for God's sake. United States Khmer. Now, I don't
0: know if you're a uh, a history buff. There was something called Khmer Rouge. And that was the uh, terrorist movement in Cambodia. Pol Pot was the dictator. And they killed, uh, what was it, like over a million of their own people? Of their own people. The Khmer Rouge. So what does it tell you that Joe Biden is not saying that we're the United States of America? No, no.
7: Now I know he's got dementia, but why does he say this? This is the United States. of for God's sake.
0: It's very troubling how carelessly he takes the Lord's name in vain. It's also very troubling he doesn't think we're the United States of America. He thinks we're the United States of Khmer. Now somebody listening to the live stream says, States of Camero." Well, Biden is a car guy, uh, you know.
7: But I don't think there's any O on it. Let's try it again. This is the United States Khmer, for God's sake. Yeah, I don't hear the O. United States Khmer.
0: Man. Yeah, Pol Pot. pot the uh, Khmer Rouge the murders estimated to be somewhere from one and a half million to two million figures some people say as low as 1 million other people say as high as three million hard to tell But it was the Cambodian genocide from 1975-1979. And what was it called
7: again, Joe? This is the United States Khmer.
0: Khmer. Khmer. Khmer Rouge. See, Joe was a senator. When it was going on. Joe remembers the Khmer Rouge. Well, to the extent he remembers anything. There was a movie about it called The Killing Fields. It's troubling, Joe. I ain't going to lie, fam. It's troubling. Um, you know, I keep on going back to the, the young man that was murdered and it's, it's just so troubling. 18 years old, had his whole life ahead of him. 41-year-old admits, admits that he murdered him because he thought he was a Republican extremist, ran over him in his car. Not too long after Dementia Joe said that those of us who disagree with him are dangerous we're terrorists. A line from a Neil Young song keeps going through my head. Just think of me as one you'd never figure would fade away so young with so much left undone. If you want to listen to it sometimes it's a song called Powderfinger by Neil Young. I played it for my wife one time. And... Instantly, it was just her favorite Neil Young song. I know, I know. His politics are insane. Um, Joe's insane, too. Did you know that the uh, sheriff of Bear County, Texas, the county with San Antonio in it, announced that he's opened a criminal investigation into... Uh, into uh, Ron DeSantis sending uh, the illegals to Martha's Vineyard. I was going to play the soundbite, but it's like a minute and 23 seconds long, and the guy's a knucklehead who admits that he does not have a predicate. He does not have a a crime in mind that he thinks that Ron DeSantis is broken, so I'm not going to trouble you with that. Have you seen the viral video of the British woman, Hillary Fordwich, making mincemeat of one Don Lemon on CNN, who is suggesting that the royal family should pay reparations? Have you seen this video? Because it really is quite something because she just shuts him up. She makes him look like an idiot. Now, Ms. Fordwich which is um, a former head of Global BD KPMG, uh, which is a big, big financial concern. And she does not suffer fools easily. Which is why she made short work of Don Lemon over on CNN. And he literally, he he had no comeback. He didn't know what to do with her. Once she answered his question about reparations. See, he he, he thought, I've got her. And instead, she got him. And um, it really was a wonder to behold. It really was remarkable. Just, uh, just a couple of days ago, Hillary Fordwich on with Don Lemon, or as Tucker Carlson likes to call him, Don Lemon, over on uh, CNN. And it went something like this.
4: This wealth, and you hear about it, comes as England is facing rising costs of living, a living crisis, austerity, budget cuts, and so on. And then you have those who are asking uh, for reparations for colonialism, and they're wondering, you know, $100 billion, $24 billion here and there, $500 million there. Some people want to be paid back, and uh, and members of the public are wondering, why are we suffering when you are, you know, you have all of this vast wealth. Those are legitimate concerns.
8: Well, I think you're right about reparations in terms of if people want it, though, what they need to do is you always need to go back to the beginning of a supply chain. Where was the beginning of the supply chain? That was in Africa, and when, across the entire world, when slavery was taking place, which was the first nation in the world that abolished slavery? The first nation in the world to abolish it. It was started by William Wilberforce, was the British. In in Great Britain, they abolished slavery. 2,000 naval men died on the high seas, trying to stop slavery. Why? Because the African kings were rounding up their own people. They had them on cages waiting in the beaches. No one was running into Africa to get them. And I think you're totally right. If reparations need to be paid, we need to go right back to the beginning of that supply chain and say who was rounding up their own people and having them handcuffing pages. Absolutely. That's where they should start. And maybe, I don't know, the descendants of those families where they died in the high seas trying to stop the slavery, that those families should receive something too, I think at the
4: same time it's an interesting discussion hillary thank you very much i appreciate it we'll continue to to discuss in the future
0: (laughs) he couldn't touch her man he had no idea what to do with that that was a beautiful thing look i gotta give you an update before we get out of here, I've got to give you an update on what's going on with the uh, the legal case between Trump and the feds. Uh, Margo Cleveland has been doing a great job of keeping track of all this. So this is from... Tuesday evening, September 20th, late at night. She says, breaking, DOJ files reply in 11th Circuit, highlights point from Special Master today. And so she's got a uh, screenshot. says, instead, plaintiff again implies that he could have declassified the records before leaving office. As before, however, plaintiff, conspicuously, talking about Trump now, plaintiff. Plaintiff conspicuously fails to represent, much less show that he actually took that step. And plaintiff is now resisting the special master's proposal that he identify any records he claims to have declassified and substantiate those claims with evidence In any event, plaintiff's effort to raise questions about classification status is a red herring. As the government has explained, even if plaintiff could show that he declassified the records at issue, there would still be no justification for restricting the government's use of evidence at the center of an ongoing criminal investigation. Again, plaintiff offers no response. So, screenshot from what the DOJ said. Margot Cleveland has another screenshot here. Oh, my goodness, this one, this one is, is, is much too long to get into. Um, let's see, here's one. Finally, plaintiff offers no response to the irreparable harm that will occur if the government is forced to disclose classified information outside the executive branch, including to plaintiff's counsel, Plaintiff's assertion that the government would presumably be prepared to share all records bearing classification markings publicly in any future jury trial is mistaken. In cases involving the unlawful retention of national defense information, nothing requires the government to pursue charges on the basis of all unlawfully retained information or to publicly disclose classified information at trial. To the contrary, the Classified Information Procedures Act provides mechanisms to protect classified information from unnecessary disclosure at any stage of a criminal trial. Now, Margo Cleveland responds, true, but Trump's lawyers would have access to what is charged. She says, based on briefing to the 11th Circuit, my gut is they grant a stay on use of information for criminal investigative purposes, but not on allowing special master and Trump's attorneys to review. She says that later point, DOJ is very weak on and at special masters handling shows Eleventh Circuit taken serious, and from today's hearing, meaning yesterday, and case law cited special master is. Not going to give Trump's attorneys access unless Trump established it was declassified with evidence. This is a civil case. Trump's burden since presumed from marking. So I think Special Master got that right. She says, although Special Master should review to ensure all marked classified, but then government reply brief, even if Trump presents evidence, he declassified everything. DOJ is going to claim Still no right to see it because we seized it legally, even if personal record and no privilege possible. She, she's getting too far deep into the weeds here. I think probably what would be better to do would be to wait until Julie Kelly gets into this later in the day. Margot Cleveland is an attorney. And God bless her, she writes some great articles, but when she does the tweets, she does too much shorthand, as attorneys like to do, when they're talking to each other. And, and sometimes I, I feel, uh, what is it, what is it the, uh, the Queen Elizabeth character said in the uh, miniseries, The Crown, when she was a young woman, she was explaining the need for a tutor. She was. She told the tutor. She said, "Oftentimes, when I find myself speaking with uh, other heads of uh, other heads of state, I, uh, I, I see, I seem to be somewhat on the back foot." Well, I'd never heard that term before, but I immediately, I immediately, knew exactly what she meant by it. So I apologize that I couldn't give you uh, any more clear understanding of what Margot Cleveland was trying to explain there, but it just got to, it just got to be too complicated. And see she's got an iceberg in her head. And the tip of the iceberg is in those tweets. And when she looks at the tweets, she's got the rest of the iceberg in her head. And the tweets make perfect sense to her. Unfortunately, I don't have the rest of the iceberg in my head. And regardless of how intelligent she is, and regardless of her dedication, her devotion to our country, our freedom, our liberty, our way of life, I still don't understand what she's talking about. And so... Sorry about that. Anyway, um, Mike Lindell, the MyPillow guy, who was swooped down on at a Hardee's in rural southern Minnesota, Mankato, Minnesota, recently by some FBI agents. Mike Lindell announcing, you know what? He's going to sue the FBI. And that announcement went something like this.
9: So here's what we're doing, everybody. We're I'm suing the FBI today or maybe first thing tomorrow morning. I'm waiting to hear from the lawyers. We're suing the FBI and the United States government for violating my First Amendment, Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, and Sixth Amendment rights. So this is gonna be unprecedented where we're just going, we're going for it to get this cannot happen in our country anymore. You know, Olivia, the uh, I had when I was talking to the FBI, I said, why don't you come down and bash my door down like you do so many people in this country now, like you did in Colorado with these moms there. One of them was, um, they call her America's mom, Sharona Bishop. You bash her door down and pulled her daughter down the steps by her hoodie. And you know what the FBI guy said to me? He said, well, Mike, she didn't open her door fast. Sharona didn't open her door fast enough. It was 42 seconds. I said, oh, that's the news thing, everybody. If the FBI comes to and make sure you got an egg timer or a watch going, hurry, get to that door before 40 seconds is up. They bashed your door down. She never got charged with anything, everybody. I didn't get charged They're out stealing my livelihood. Cost me tens of millions of dollars, potentially now, by losing these vendors. So, uh, this lawsuit is going to be huge. It's got to stop now.
0: Amen, brother. Amen. Let me go back for just a minute to um, Kaylor Ellingson. Say his name, Kaylor Ellingson. The young man that was murdered because the Democrat thought he was a Republican extremist. Pedro L. Gonzalez over there on Twitter Who writes to the Chronicles magazine? He said in 2017, a leftoid named James T. Hodgkinson shot at a congressional baseball practice while chanting, This is for health care. In 2022, Shannon Brandt killed a young Republican named Kaler Ellingson over a political dispute. Liberal media shrugged in both cases because they approve. They approve. Even Joe Biden said silence means acquiescence. Okay, Joe. Waiting for you to, uh, Waiting for you to condemn this, Joe. Marjorie Taylor Greene, what you going to do?
5: I just introduced articles of impeachment on President Joe Biden. Joe Biden is selling our strategic petroleum reserves. This should never happen. He is draining our reserves and selling our oil, Americans' oil, to foreign countries, and China is a top buyer. China is our enemy. They are not our friend. They're buying Americans' oil. The strategic petroleum reserve is our emergency supply for if something goes wrong in this country, it's now down to 434 million barrels of oil. nearly half of what it was when president trump left office this is an outrage this is completely wrong and no president of the united states should be doing this to the american people it's going to create a national emergency crisis and that's exactly what president joe biden is doing this is the number hr 1362 impeach
0: joe biden thank you marjorie taylor Greene. She should be the next Speaker of the House, not Kevin McCarthy. The great Ian Miles Chong said the media, politicians, celebrities, and pundits gave endless coverage and sympathies to Jussie Smollett, who lied about his attack. And the lie was obvious from the very start. But the same media, politicians, celebrities, and pundits cannot spare a word for Kaler Ellingson. No, they can't, fam. They can't spare a word for this young man. Not a word. Mike Davis recently talked about the uh, FBI's misplaced priorities.
7: Did react as a former clerk to Supreme Court Justice.
0: Oh, my buddy, Dan Bongino. I'll tell you why he's my buddy in a
7: minute. Mike Davis. Mike, uh, thanks a lot for coming on. You know, Mike, white supremacist quotas at the FBI. I mean, this is, creates a set of really perverse incentives for the world's premier law enforcement agency, doesn't it? It does, and
5: this started uh, after nine eleven when Bob Mueller went into the FBI and he consolidated way too much power inside of Washington DC and the the FBI headquarters, and he took away the power from the fifty six FBI field offices around the country, and so it's a politicized FBI that's been weaponized against uh, the the ruling class's political enemies and that the, the current enemies of the ruling class. It's not terrorists overseas. It's uh, everyday Americans, and that's pretty scary.
0: Yeah, it is. It's real scary. Uh, Dan Bongino, the reason I say he's my buddy, um, as I say at the start of every show, I was fired by Cumulus Media for refusing their vaccine mandate. Dan Bongino is syndicated by Westwood One, which is owned by Cumulus Media. Almost a month after I was fired, Dan Bongino had me come on his show and gave me 12 minutes live on the air on 300 radio stations, including the station I used to be on to tell exactly what happened. I will treasure him for the rest of my life allowing me to do that that meant a lot to me always will always will Ron DeSantis talking about the illegals that he sent to uh, Martha's Vineyard
3: we've had millions of people Millions of people come across illegally since Biden has been president. Did you see any spasms from the media because there were all these illegals coming across the border for the last almost two years? No, you didn't hear anything. Did you hear when you had... Migrants dying in the Rio Grande River, or 53 migrants dying in a trailer in Texas. Did you hear a big, no, I didn't hear very much at all about it, when you have criminal aliens that have gotten across the border, and those criminal aliens then go and victimize American citizens. Do you ever hear anything about that by these folks? No. When you have a record number of fentanyl deaths because of the fentanyl that is poured across the border. Do you ever hear the gnashing of teeth over that? I don't. It's only when 50 illegal aliens show up at a very wealthy spot called Martha's Vineyard that advertises itself as a sanctuary city. They said they're a sanctuary city. They say that nobody, no human being is illegal. Everyone's welcome. So this is a place. There's jobs available. There's hotels and Airbnb available. And honestly, these were folks who got the transport that Biden totally abandoned. They were homeless. They were hungry. So they hit the jackpot to be able to be in the wealthiest sanctuary jurisdiction in the world.
0: Yeah, they did. They certainly did. Speaking of hitting the jackpot, I think it's about the time to say, hit it, Brian.
6: We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day.
0: Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA. Believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV. Of your choice, the way you want to, online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. Today's tweet of the day is from Liberty Jen. says, Politics 2022. And it is a quote from the late great C.S. Lewis from his book, Mere Christianity. And he says, Suppose... One reads a story of filthy atrocities in the paper. Then, suppose that something turns up suggesting that the story might not be quite true or not quite so bad as it was made out. Is one's first feeling, oh, thank God, even they aren't quite so bad as that? Or is it a feeling of disappointment? and even a determination to cling to the first story for the sheer pleasure of thinking your enemies are as bad as possible. If it is the second, then it is, I am afraid, the first step in a process which, if followed to the end, will make us into devils. You see, one is beginning to wish that black was a little blacker. If we give that wish its head, then later on we shall wish to see gray as black and then to see white itself as black. Finally, we shall insist on seeing everything, God and our friends and ourselves included, as bad and not be able to stop doing it. We shall be fixed forever in a universe of pure hatred. That is C.S. Lewis for Mere Christianity. And if you find that thought provoking, I would recommend that you get the book, Mere Christianity, and read it, especially if you haven't read it before. That is today's Tweet of the Day. Thank you, Liberty Jen, over on Twitter. And thank you so much to RedRiverYourWay.com for sponsoring the Tweet of the Day. You've been listening to episode 243 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, The Views and Opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions Seventh floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier the tenth. And that's the way it is. Wednesday, September twenty first, twenty twenty two.